0: Oh, whatever campus you're at, come on, come on, come on. Good morning, everybody. Put your hands together for the King of Kings. Yeah. Thanks for being here on today. What a joy and what an honor it is to worship with you. Thank you for taking the time out. For those of you who um, who haven't been to church in a minute and today is like the first time you're coming back, we're just glad to see you where you been. Good to see you in the house. That's so many of you are coming back. Thanks for hanging out and thanks for doing that with us. Um, I, I want to remind you of a thought first before we even stand for the scriptures on today. I want to remind you of a, a thought that simply says, everyone matters to God whether or not God matters to them. Why don't you read it with me, everybody? Everybody stay seated. Everyone matters to God whether or not God matters to them. Read it one more time. Everyone matters to God whether or not God matters to them. This is a very important verse. Because. Even when people don't think like you, when they don't like you as a Christian, when they don't believe in what you believe, it doesn't matter what they think about God. God says they still matter to him. This is a very important verse. We're coming on to politics and to elections coming up, and everybody's going to be fighting everybody, and Christians going to take a side and all that. And I'm telling you, as believers, we need to be convinced that everyone matters to God. Which is why how we treat them and what we do and how we treat others is so very important. Say it with me one last time. Everyone matters to God whether or not God You got it. Let's stand and let's see if we can read the word of the Lord. Uh, let's start in First Timothy chapter number 6. First Timothy chapter 6 and let's see if we can get there. Let's pick it up in verse 17. Now, uh, this is about the last time you're going to laugh in this service, so just enjoy it, please. Now, because I'm talking about all of us today, every last one of us, look at yourself and say, self, he's talking to me. That's not everybody. Everybody didn't do it. Everybody didn't do it. Self, he's talking to me. Good. Make sure I'm good soil today. Woo-hoo! Here we go. Instruct, read it with me. Instruct those who are Stop. He's talking to me. See, I knew you wouldn't want to believe you're rich. Don't we do this all the time, y'all? Don't we do this all the time? We, um, we have a tendency to think that we're not rich because you know somebody richer than you. But then if you ever go overseas, most of you go to fancy places, but if you ever go to a poor country, you will convince, you'll be convinced I think I'm rich. Based on them folk, I'm rich. The problem is, you come back to America. And when you come back to America, you're reminded that your friends are richer than you. So therefore, you don't think you're that rich. But God wants me to remind you today that if you have food in your fridge for tomorrow, you are rich. Anybody glad to be rich in the house today? Some of you still don't want to clap. Some of you'll be like, "Mm -mm, "I'm not rich. I'm not rich. I'm not rich. I know people that are rich. I'm not rich." Come on, let's see what he says. Instruct those who are rich in this present world, not, or to fix their hope on the uncertainty. My God, do you know what he calls your riches? Everybody, what does he call your riches, your 401k, your 403B, your bank account, your your I bonds, your your uh, what is he your brokerage accounts, what does he call them? And you think you have outsmarted it because you got the best financial advisor ever. Then he says, but on... Who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. What he's saying is God says, I know how you view riches, but the way I view them is I'm giving, I'm allowing you to have them because they're all mine. I'm allowing you to have them so that you can enjoy life. Ain't nothing wrong with being rich. Everything wrong with being motivated by money. And money only. Oh, it's going to make sense. Keep coming. Keep coming. Some, I lost some of you already just because I said this word rich. But it's okay. Come on. Next verse. Next verse. Here we go now. To all the rich people in the house, here's what he says. Instruct them. Tell them. Preach to them. Say it. Make sure they get it. Demonstrate it. Do whatever you can, but make sure they know the reason they're rich. Instruct them to do good. If you're going to be rich. Instruct them to be in good, to be and ready to. You don't know when to say preach, Pastor Conway, do you? You don't know when to say preach. You don't know when to say it. All right. Here's what he's saying. He's saying you should be ready. You, 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 you got some money on the side, ready, and say, God, I dare you to show me a need because I'm gonna bless somebody as widely as I can because I know you've blessed me so much. I am dying, ready. I'm on my marks, get set, and I cannot wait to bless some folk. He says, if you don't have that attitude about the stuff that's all God's, anyways, then there's something wrong, not with the person you're helping. But would you. Oh, say it, Pastor. Say it. Say it. I like this, 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 this side. Uh, all the left side of, the, of every campus. They, 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 I need to talk to them for a little They're not convinced yet. So let me talk to them. Well, here's what he's saying. He's saying, the reason I have blessed you like I have. Is because I want you to be on your marks, get set, dying for me to prompt your heart to release the money to somebody else when I know they have a greater need than you. He says, if you know Jesus and you know his great mercy that you have received, then why wouldn't you be ready to bless somebody else when he, when he prompts your heart to do so? Last thought, then you can sit down. Now, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, (laughs) you're going to love this service today. You're going to love it because it's telling uh, Christians who are rich to bless others. Not themselves, others. So you're going to love it. If you're here and you're a Christian today, you might not come back after today. (laughs) But we ain't worried about that because we're preaching the word of God. So I'm good. (laughs) You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Um. Yeah, we've been loaded on this one for a while, family. I promise you we have. So let's see if we can walk through it and see what God has to say to us today. Go to slide number two for me. I want you to read this with me slowly. I want you to imagine a world with me where, where, where the world views us a different way. So go, go to it. Just imagine. I'm going to read it first. Imagine a world where people are skeptical of what we believe. They don't like what we believe. They think we the problem. Religion, people, you the problem. Uh, Christians, you for real the problem. They're skeptical of what we believe, but are envious of how well we trust and treat each other and are amazed at how well we treat, not trust, treat them. Imagine a world where they don't, they're not so sure they believe what we believe but they are convinced. I wish I wish my friends could treat me like these Christians treat each other. Imagine a world where they're, they're saying, I wish, I wish, I wish, I really wish. Um, I'm actually amazed at how they love us. How could they love us like this when we think differently from them? We don't even like hanging around them, but they still love us. Imagine a world where church folk set the agenda and so wildly blessed people that they sit in amazement and ask the question, why would you do such a thing? Imagine the world. Isn't that what Jesus did for them? Why would he die when I'm his enemy? Why would he give his son, his only son? When I don't like him, I crucified him, I, 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 I spat in his face, I, 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 I stabbed him in the side. Why would he, when he could call 10,000 angels, why the heck would he stay on that cross for the very person that's killing him? Well, if you're going to be a Christian, meaning a follower of Jesus... Then the question should be asked, why in the world would they want to give us something when we don't even believe what they believe? Ladies and gentlemen, what I'm trying to cast for us is that the entire month of October, week one, week two, week three, we're going to do something that we've never done. We've tried it at smaller levels, but we've never lavishly blessed our community before. And I'm suggesting That it should be the wildest experience we've ever had. Where we're going to walk up to places and give them big checks. I ain't talking no 500. I'm talking massive checks. And just say, we love you. Here you go. No agenda. We don't need anything. We just wanted to bless you. We sought until we talked to some of them and we found out, hey, what is it that you need? If you got this, what would blow your mind and get you to your vision faster? And guess what we're going to do? Fund it for the glory of God. Ladies and gentlemen, because I know what's going to happen come November, come November, It's going to be signs in every yard, people taking sides, fighting against each other. One want the Republicans, one want the Democrats, one don't like none of them. And it's going to be a war. (laughs) But before the war shows up, there's going to be a group of people. And we're not even using the one community church label. We're using the DFW, we love you label. Why are we doing that? Because we're not doing it so you can call our name. That's why we've had two media companies come and say, Hey, can we be a part of this? No. I don't want nobody. This don't let people know what you're doing. Just bless them. You don't need nobody around taking cameras and showing, oh, look at them, look at what they're doing. Ain't nobody care about that. What we care about is what's stored in heaven, not what's recorded here on earth. I need you to know that. Now, we keep clapping. Cause we're going to the word now. <laughs> Come on, rich people. That's me and you. Come on, rich people. Here we go. Now, um, it's easier to know what to. It's easier to know what to do than what to believe. L- l- let me help you out a little bit. It's easier to know what to do than what to believe. A version of Christianity. You need to know this. Um, back in the day, centuries ago, um, Christians fought. About what to believe. People died. That version of Christianity. People died because they cared so much about believing right. That a lot of people died because they didn't believe rightly. A lot of people hate Christianity and hate followers of Jesus because they always think it results in war. Now here's the challenge. The challenge is, I don't know if you realize this yet, but we always know what to do. Sometimes we're not so sure what to believe. So why then is it that we care so much about what we believe and so little about what to do? Let me say it another way. Um, um, we love to debate theology. And, and by the way, um, I think it's critical to make sure that you're telling people how to get saved. I think that's vital. Um, The challenge becomes, though, a lot of people fight over that, but intuitively, the Holy Spirit can just tell you what to do. And we err on the side of what should you believe more than we err on the side of what you should do. It's natural when the Holy Spirit prompts you and says, you need to give. Now, I know you've come up with 15 reasons why you shouldn't give to the person that needs it. And you want to tell them how they should have thought and how they should have lived. And if they, didn't, if they weren't lazy, then they would have had money like you do. And I know you have all the reasons why you, you, you shouldn't give. But that does not negate the fact that the Holy Spirit still is prompting you, even though you are rebelling and come up with excuses as why you shouldn't. Because in Christianity, with the Holy Spirit being inside of you, everybody knows what you should do, even if we're not convinced about what we should believe. Therefore, what I want to do in the month of October is lean into the side that says, here's what we should do, even if we disagree in what we should believe. If you're here and you're not a Christian, oh my. This is the month for you to say, praise the Lord. At least they ain't taking it to pay the light bills this time. They're going to give it away. Not one penny of what you give for this initiative will go to this church. It's going to go to nonprofits, and I'm going to show you which ones here in a minute. But this is vital. Now that we're finished, let's go to the word and see what it has to say. You're going to wish you didn't come to church today. But let's go. Uh, Matthew. Let's go to the book of the Gospel of Matthew. No, let's go to Luke. Luke, and let's go to verse 13 of roundabout chapter 16. Here we go. Now, um, the text is going to help us um, identify that there are only two kinds of people in the world. Everybody say two. There are only two kinds of people in the world, and I'm going to show you how Jesus says it. Number one, here is what he says. No... Servant. Every campus, everybody, Dallas, Louisville, Garland, Prosper, Global. Here we go. No, that assumes something. That assumes that we're all servants. That assumes that in the body of Christ, there are no superstars. They're all servants. No, some of you don't want to be a servant. Some of you want to be served. That's the problem with getting richer and richer. Now you want everybody to serve you because you don't want to do nothing yourself. But the text starts out by saying, no servant. It assumes that you realize that you're not an owner, but you're a servant. Jesus, help us. No servant can serve two masters. Whoa. No servant can serve two masters. In other words, here's what he suggests. He's saying, everybody under the sound of my voice is driven by, controlled by, one of two things. Every human being in the world, is driven by or controlled by or motivated by one or two things. In other words, there is no neutral. You're going to choose a side on this one. Now, I would think that God would say, Jesus, through the, through the, through the writers of this particular book, Dr. Luke, I would think he would have suggested that the two masters are God and the devil. That's not what's there. You're going to see it in a moment. I would think that he would argue that, that the two masters are, are God and myself. That's not what's there. I would think that he would argue the two masters are God and my kids. That's not what's there. He says, when I reveal to you what this is, you're going to see how powerful it is because it's more powerful than the devil himself. Teach, Pastor, teach, teach. He says, no servant can serve too much. For either he will hate the one and love the other. That's for broke people. This, this breaks down into two sides. One side's for broke people, one side's for rich people. Either you'll hate the one, so you will, you will find every which way to go find more money, because you just want more money. So you'll be like, I'm broke, I'm going to get some money, so let me go get money. And so you will, you will love one and you'll hate the other. Then he says something else. Then he says, or love though uh, no, or else he will be devoted. That means I want more of this so badly. Oh my God, give me some more. Give me some more. Give me some more. Give me some more. To one and despise the other. Then he comes to the conclusion. Read it with me, everybody. You cannot serve God and. He says there are only two choices. And he says if you live in the United States, you think you're so smart that you think you can deceive God that God is first. But you can't because he's going to show you in a minute how to know if it's God or money. Let me say it this way. Whenever um, a man comes and he goes to work and he works at, he gets up at 4 in the morning. Goes all the way until about, until about 3 and then goes to another job at 6 and goes all the way till like 1 in the morning. And he's working and he's missing his family and he's missing his, his, his bride and his kids and everything else. Here, here, here's what, without even realizing it, he's driven by. Money. He's serving one. No, I know what you're going to say, because you're so smart. Oh, see, see, you're so smart. Here's what you say. No, no, no. He's just a responsible man taking on his assignment. Which assignment? All I'm trying to suggest is it's driven by money. You can either lower your standard of living, but nobody wants to lower your standard of living. Nobody does. Uh-uh. We're going to increase it. If I go down, that's embarrassing. No, it's not. Not if you created margins so you can live better in the future, of which you're going to love because you're all savers and you want to save and we're so responsible. Come here, I'm coming to you in a minute. Oh, let's let's talk about a lady of the night. She gets up at about seven, goes to work at about seven, and then at at, at work, she, she goes and she sells her body. She's driven by something. She's driven by money. I could get a little closer to home, but I'm going to leave that for a little later. All I'm trying to suggest to you is that we're either driven by God or we're driven by money. Uh, people come to me all the time. Not all the time. Probably three, four, five, six, maybe ten times. And they say, hey, Pastor, if he, he, uh, let, let me help you out. I'll give you 10%. I'll give the church 10% if you let me talk to the whole church and send them something. It is my greatest joy to kick those people out of my office. <laughs> because they're driven by. And you can see it from a far distance. You can see every, all of us. You can see what we're driven by. And oftentimes we, we hide it on the responsibility. But you can still see the motive behind it. The text says, no, you, you can only serve two masters. You're either going to be devoted to one or you're not going to like the other one. So, what does that mean for us today? Go to your sermon notes. Go to your sermon notes for me now. Let me walk through this thing for you. So, now if money could talk, if money could say something to you, what would it say? Listen now, if money could talk, here's the first thing money would say, number one in your notes. Money would say to you, um, um, please, uh, I can add meaning to your life, but I am not the meaning of your life. I can add meaning to it, or or, or I can be a means to an end, I'm not the end itself. Money would say that, because many of us have the tendency to believe that, 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 that I want to pursue this thing, and I pursue it so much, and when I get to a certain place, I'm going to be okay. It's not true. You're not going to be okay. Some of you still don't believe me. This big old O, old old, it's a feta, um, re- represents the divine. It represents God. You can, you can either serve God, or bring the other one out for me, or you can serve something else. Bring that one out here. You can either serve God or you can serve money. But here's how money works. Here's how money works. You know this. You have experienced this. You have lived this out in your life. I know you have. And so you can either serve God or and money. Is somebody going to bring that out, please, anytime today? I mean, do I need to go get it? Can somebody go get that, get that thing for me, please? Because we're taking a... Re- there we go. All right. So you can either... This costs a lot of money. So we can either serve uh, God... Or we can serve money. There's a problem with money, however, everybody. Uh, bring it all the way up. Bring it all the way up. Perfect. Perfect. All the way. Come on more. Come on more. Come on more. Come on more. Thank you so much, gentlemen. Stop right there. Right there. Right there. Stay. Don't, don't go too far. Stay right there. <clears throat> so here's, here is how money plays games on us. You know you've done this before. Here's what you say. Here's what I say. I do the same thing. I said, listen. All I need to do is get right there. If I just get to, so, you know, when you used to, um, when, you, when, when you were broke, and you said, okay, if I get to 25,000, God, just give me 25,000. I, I, oh, God, I worship you if you get me 25. Just give me 25, and I worship you. I worship you. So he blesses you with 25. <clears throat> so what you do is you buy the clothes for 25, you buy the house for 25, you buy, no, not a house. You buy the clothes for twenty-five. <laughs> About, that's all, the clothes. And then you say, okay, God, if you give me 60, if you give me 60, family, household, income, 60, I promise you, you get all of me. He blesses you with 60. But it's as if it's not enough. And then then you reach the six-figure. He's like, no, Jesus, I promise you, I do laps in church every week. If you get me past the six-figure range, then he gets you past the six-figure range. Now you buy the house for six figures, the car for six figures, the clothes for six figures. You don't go to Walmart anymore. You now go to (laughs) Saks. Here's what happens to you. Once you get it and you get excited, it ain't enough no more. So now you start hanging out with folk who make six figures. And six figure folks happy, I mean habits, are different than $20,000 folk habits. So now you got to increase your habit and your lifestyle to match those that are in your socioeconomic environment. So, pull it back for me now. So what happens is, you say, okay, God. When you get to the six figures, you say, okay. But to really live like that. No, no, okay, don't go too far now. To to really live like that, I got to make some more. And now your whole pursuit in life is to make some more. And then, no, no, no. And then once you get here, then you start having conversations about how to make even more. And now the question becomes, when does it ever stop? Answer, it never will stop. Here is why. Next up. Here's why. Your self-control determines which one gets control, whether God or money. Your self-control, that's the fruit of the Spirit. We're coming back to that. But here's what ultimately happens. Nobody wants to be mastered by an appetite. And an appetite, listen, don't ever forget it, is never fully and finally satisfied. never is. So therefore, it doesn't matter how much you get. You will always move the dollar sign further into the future to get more. And I don't know why we don't get this, but it happens every single time because we always want more and then more and then more and then more and then more because we have an appetite. And whenever you see somebody that's going after an appetite, they can never be fully and finally satisfied, which is why you know you're driven by money because it's never enough. And whenever somebody says you ought to give, you always fight them to give because you think, no, if I give to you, I already have to give the government that much. Now I got to give you that much. Now I got, what am I going to live off of? And so we have these two God or money. And appetite says, <sighs> don't believe them, don't believe what the Bible says. We don't. It's okay. Why does he say, what's the root of all evil? Say it with me. The love of, not money, it's not money. It's when you have prioritized it over God. So when you prioritize it over God, now it becomes evil. And the reason is because it's all for you. It's you. I ask people all the time, hey, why are you going to the mall? What are you getting in the, at the mall? I don't know yet. I, I know it when I see it, though. I know it when I see it. What's the point? Let's let me keep walking. I'm going to see something I like, and I'm going to get it. <laughs> to which some husband just touched his wife and said, oh, I like my pastor. He has never said pastor before in his whole life. But today he's saying it. He, 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 oh, that's my pastor right there. He 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 preaching today. He preaching today. Well oh, listen, listen, listen. Well, well, why, why is there three Amazon boxes at the door? I wonder who they're for. I'm sure it's for the kids. I'm sure you got something for your boo. No, 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 no. All three are for me. <laughs> Because we love us some me. <clears throat> what what's the motor? What's the what's controlling? What's what's driving all your decisions? You only have two choices. It's either God or it's money. And if you let money drive it, then it's an appetite. And you will never have enough. And you and if you love it too much, you will make bad decisions. To get more. Number four. This is what happens to all of us. You thought it would have been a pastime. Just something, oh yeah, you know, I just did this for a little while. but it's, And now it's a pathway. It's so controlling you. That now every single decision you make, it's now become a pathway that you cannot get out of. Because you've worshipped, worshipped it so long. we got to be careful. The reason your parents and your grandma and your grandma, they live, is because most of them trusted God and were broke. But they enjoyed their life. And they had joy more than all of us in here together. So be careful, be careful. And, and some of you be like, some of you be like, well, give me money and no joy versus what they got. You ain't, you ain't nothing but an unwise person. For you to say that, you have no clue the life that they set you up to live. And all I'm saying is we got to be careful. Just careful. Because if not, they worshiped Jesus. Be careful that we are not worshiping money say it pastor, say it pastor say it pastor, help him Lord help him Lord, help him Lord the last one says this, number five money and the quest for more is the chief competitor with him, that's God for our hearts and devotion money, not the devil money, not your kids money, not you, money not your job, is the chief competitor for your heart and devotion so if you say you love God, it's going to show up in how you handle your money. Not maybe, it will. Because we've mastered it. And now you know it, I've told you this hundreds of times. You know what, what rich people do is they, they, they mask theirs in responsibility. And so they say, I'm just a good saver. And so I'm saving for the future. But really what they're doing is they don't want to feel the fear that their parents felt. So they're trying to cover it up with more money. Or, or I don't have any, so I want to get some, so I'm broke, so I want to get some. So I'll do whatever it takes to just get more and more and more and more and more without realizing that in both scenarios, it's controlling you. You're not in control of it. And by the way, none of it's yours. It's the reason why I don't like, personally, I don't like talking about tithing. I don't. Because tithing gives the impression that it's yours to give. That's the problem. I believe in tithing, but, but it makes it look like, you make it look like you're just going to help God out. God, tithing is not for God. It's actually for you. Because he don't need nothing from you. Not a doggone thing. God is fully contained. I need nothing from you and me. What he's trying to do is making sure that it doesn't control you. Ah, preach, pastor. Preach, pastor. Preach, pastor. Preach. Um. So, ladies and gentlemen, the the next thought is then, Pastor, what's he really saying? Go to John, 1 John, chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. Watch this now. He's going to suggest to us that if you're a believer, it's going to show up in how selfless you are. Remember, the night before Jesus was betrayed, he had his disciples in a circle. He brought a towel, brought a basin of water, and started to wash their feet and started to tell these guys, Hey, man, listen, here's what it's going to look like to live in my kingdom. Remember, all of them wanted to be number one and number two beside Jesus. Why? Because they thought they were going to be in charge and topple Rome and take over the whole thing. And because of that, Jesus says, No, 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 you're missing it. My kingdom is different than the kingdom of this world. He says, my kingdom is upside down. So you're no longer a star, you're a servant, which is why Jesus says, I'm the king, right? I'm the boss, right? Yeah. Well, look what the boss do. The king would never do that in this world. But in my world, in my kingdom, the king is the one that's serving. Everything is turned upside down. The next day, he says, okay, let me show you. So he goes to the cross and he dies. Why does he do that? Because he says the key to my kingdom is selflessness. The key to my kingdom is you. Not in front. You're actually at the back. So if you want to, if you say you love me, if you say I died for you, I saved you, and you love me, then you must always be racing to the back of the line. You must always be the servant. You must always let others go before you. Because he models it for us. Goes to the cross. Dies in the ultimate act of selflessness. What's the key to everything? Selflessness. What's the key to whatever relational drama you have? Selflessness. How do you know that? Because Jesus modeled it for us. And said so you cannot be in the front. You got to be in the back. And you got to serve. So if you're the CEO, you ought to be the chief servant officer. Whatever you do, if you're the leader, so men, you can't say, Well, I'm the leader in this house. That means you're the chief servant in the house. Watch what the text says now. John, first John chapter 3, verse 16. This is a profound thought, at least in my little brain. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and it should be normal. Everyday living for Christians then, since he did it for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Normal behavior in the kingdom of God. If you know the gospel and you're a gospel-oriented person, this is supposed to be normal behavior. We're supposed to say, not me, you go first. Not me, you go first. Not me, you go first. I want to go. This is supposed to be normal. We're supposed to hold people accountable and say, you're not living gospel-centered living. But we don't. It gets worse. Next verse. Then he says, (laughs) read it slowly. Actually, read this one with me slowly. But whoever has the world's goods, that means you are rich, you got food in your fridge for tomorrow, and sees his brother in need and closes his... Stop right there. You can't handle no more of this verse. He said, remember what he just said. Say, man, you should be laying your life down. Now he says, what's the contrast? Laying your life down for your brethren. Now he says, this is just a small fraction of laying your life down. Now he says, hey, if you see somebody in need. And you got a bank account full of money. And you know it's all God's, not yours. And you don't meet this need. But instead closes your heart. Let's let's do a little bit of let's do a little bit of work on that word. The idea of closing your heart is the idea of your bowels, your the, the movement of your bowels. In other words, the physicians will tell you that after you eat some food, uh, the brain signals signal to your bowels, and about twenty minutes later, after you finish eating, you should go and you should you should you should use the bathroom. That's what should happen. With healthy people. <clears throat> I'll do whatever it takes, I promise you. <clears throat> Boy, this thing look good, don't it? You can tell somebody knew what they were doing right here. <clears throat> Here's what he says. No pictures, please. He's talking to rich people. Here's what he says. Rich people. Come here, rich people. Rich people. Knowing all that God has given to you. If he's given you everything, all his goodness, all his grace, he's blessed you with resources. What's supposed to happen is as he has given it to you, it's supposed to flow through you. So whenever he he shows you a crack, he says, the reason I want you to deal with other people's needs is because I want you to meet their needs because of what I've given to you. My problem is we got too many people in this church that are financially constipated. (laughs) That didn't work, huh? Let Let me see if some sounds can help you. getting it through you and you'll be ( lawsuitroyable) like and he can't get it through you he's giving you everything your stomach is spiritually full and he wants he's now giving you the person to bless He wants you to have a regular habit of blessing folk. And instead of blessing them, you're keeping it. And you're going to keep it till it kills you. Oh, preach, pastor. Oh, preach, pastor. Oh, you're preaching good today, pastor. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, this is what you look like at the 1st and the 15th when you're debating with yourself. Should I give? And you're coming up with every reason to tell yourself not to. Every last one of those reasons is a spiritual, financial constipation. God, you don't deserve it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hey, don't, I don't need any close ups on this one, okay? No close ups. No close ups. <laughs> Hey, by the way, by the way, by the way, let me stop. Let, let's give it up for a props team. That's a bad illustration right there. <laughs> they did a great job. Y'all, it's great. I can just say anything and they don't come up with it. <laughs> Listen to me. They, they need to go in the construction bit because that looks real good in your house right now. That looks real good. Anyways, let's get back to my point. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the next time you're debating, I want you to think of the toilet that you go sit on. Next time you debate whether or not I should release God's money to him, yes, I want you to think about sitting on that toilet. Every time you sit on that toilet, I want you to remember. Am I being generous or am I co- a constipated Christian holding back God's money from him? Say it. Preach it. Tell it. Gets worse. (laughs) You say worse than that? Here we go. And sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him. Here's the question. How does the love of God abide in him? He's driven by money. She's driven by money. The love of God's not there. You can come to church all you want. The God of great mercy blesses you every single day. How dare us. Hold back his money from him. Do you know what it shows? It shows, one, that you're arrogant because you think it's yours. It shows, two, that you have no respect for God because it's his money, and you're being a bad steward, and you don't care. And number three, it shows that you're a tightwad. (laughs) It gets even worse than that. He's saying, hey, man, how can you say the love of God's with you? Is it really? If you like this? Last verse. Last verse, then I'll send you home. Last verse. Then he says this. How do you know? You don't want to know what the assurance of your salvation is? He tells us. Next verse. Verse 18. Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue. In other words, don't come to church Running laps, praising God, falling out, hands in the air. Say it, Pastor, preach. Singing, great is thy faithfulness. <laughs> and when it comes time to show it, you keep it back and hold it. When it comes time to show God that he's number one, what you decide to do is build your kingdom instead of his. His. He said, this is a game for you. You just want me on call when you got problems. You don't have a relationship with me. Because if you're not faithful with the little, why would I give you more when you're not going to take what I have given you and be a good steward? Check the next verse out. He, so he says, don't, don't fake the thumb. Don't, don't, don't Don't pretend as if you're all in love with God when you know you're not. He continues, he says, but in in deed and in truth. Next verse. Watch what he says now. We will know by this that we are of the truth. How will you know that you're saved? When you realize that you're not driven or controlled or motivated by money, but when you realize that you're driven and controlled and motivated by God because of his great mercy. It's the beautiful picture of the gospel. So he says, and will assure our heart before him. What will assure our heart before him? That when he shows you somebody that has a need, you're willing to say, God, I am grateful that you have entrusted me with this much. Now, here you go. Let me demonstrate it to you. Look at your sermon notes again. Let's see if we can land this plane. So on the me first lifestyle, me first living, here's how it shows up every single month. Me first living, you say, I'm going to live, me first. Then I'm going to save, me second. Then I'm going to give everybody else whatever is left over. The other one says, if you're seeking him first and his kingdom first, then you're going to give first because you don't want it to be a a, a pattern, a habit, an appetite that you keep going after. So you tell your money where to go. And you say, I'm going to honor God first in his kingdom. Then I'm going to save for your kingdom. And then you live on the rest. This is the telltale sign about which one's driving you. If it's you first, then money is driving you. If it's his kingdom first, cause it's all his, then God's driving you. The question is, which one of these two driving you? Is it is it God? Is it is it money? What are we trying to do then? What I'm trying to do with this whole Initiative is I'm trying to help us understand that as a collective group, we're going to bless some other people. I want to do for us collectively once a year, every year in October, what I want us to be doing every single day of the week. So now we get a big uh, motivation. Everybody is doing it together, and we're all excited about how we're going to bless other people. But that's just collectively all our campuses, all our communities, all across the country and the world. We're all just going to bless other people, which is great but this is what we should be doing every day in light of what the gospel has done for us. So God is not mine. It's all yours. So then help me as soon as you, as soon as you prompt my heart, not to give my, give my heart reasons why I shouldn't give, but in light of how blessed I am. Help me to be as generous as you have been to me. Turn your page over. Let's, let's, let's land it and let's get out of here. Um, so what are we going to give to? Let's talk about that. There's are six areas, six or seven areas that we're going to give to. Number one, we're going to fund counseling and mental health initiatives that some of the nonprofits around here have. We're going to have programs for at-risk kids that some of the nonprofits around here. We're going to go job training for professional development. We're going to go staff positions for nonprofits. Do you know how many nonprofits would go far, further, faster if they had a staff position full-time? So we're going to say, hey, what's that star position going to cost for the year? Let's, I, we want to fund that for you so that you can go further faster with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's another one. We're going to identify mentoring for unaccompanied homeless teens after they check out of the foster care system. A lot of teens don't have any place to go. We, we, we know this and do nothing about it. Are you kidding me? No. That, who Who else? have been given that much grace that we should stand in the gap and say, we will help you pull off for these teens before the wrong person gets them. Another one is food insecurity. All food insecurity means is you've got the meal for today, but you don't know where you're going to eat tomorrow. Why wouldn't we want to be a part of resolving that? Why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we want to support Samaritans in? Why wouldn't we? People don't have a place to stay. They 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 lost their job. They've fallen out. They need so. Why wouldn't we, the first to say, "Here you go. God bless you." And so all we're trying to do is pull it off. And so starting next week, we did a little pre-run today. And so as you go outside today, you're going to see tables everywhere where you get to give. And all we're asking you for is. Everybody, every campus, 100% participation. Only way this works is if you give 100% participation, nobody can say, well, I'm out. I ain't doing it. No, 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 no. no. He's been too good to you. He really, really has. 100% participation. $40 for the glory of God. Here you go. Let's make it happen. Now, ladies and gentlemen, listen, listen, listen. As you go outside today, there are going to be um, balloons, one that says cash, one that says another. You know why? Because I love to raise money for other folk. I get real nervous when it's for our church. But when it's for other folk, because of how God's been so good, I will take every dime from you to bless somebody else. And none of it goes to us. That's the part I love the most. None of it. So you can't say he has a bad motive, he's trying to do it for him, or name anything on there. It's a, DFW, we love you. One community church, nowhere to be found. Because the goal is not what's in it for us. The goal is what's in it for the wider community for the glory of God. That's it. All right. The golden rule says this. Here's what the golden rule says, family. It simply says this. The golden rule says, Do unto others what you would have them do unto you. That's not the rule we're following today. The platinum rule says, Do unto others what has already been done unto you, which means Jesus has already paid the price for you. So it's your job to do to them what he has already done. To us, I know some of you are uncomfortable talking about money, but boy, is this a word for you and me because I waste more, like you do too, more money than I should, and it's our job now to do a little better. Is that all right, fam? Come on, let's give God a round of applause. Come on, <clears throat> I'm done. Father, help us as a body of believers to be generous. Help us, God, as we raise these resources for these nonprofit organizations throughout the DFW area. I pray that you will wildly bless us. God, I I don't care too much if you bless us with more. Just help us to release what you have already given us. Will you do that, God? And then, as we have been faithful, we know you will always be faithful to us. So just bless your people as we give generously for the glory of God. Lead us, guide us in being a generous body of believers in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. 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 Campus Pastor.